0: Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Boy, that's exciting. Somebody said the pastor's dancing. That's exciting when somebody gets baptized. It says that there's joy in heaven over one. Which means, how do you think, okay, if if we're excited, how do you think God the Father feels? Because when Jesus was on the cross, Bobby was on his mind. He was. Josh, you were on his mind. Chris, did I get that right? Lori, I got that right. He was on his mind. You was on his mind. Caitlin. Caitlin. You was on his mind, Granny. I was on his mind when he died. And so when we stepped into and transitioned and said, Lord, I want all you got for me. I mean, how do you think the Father feels? It says that there's joy in heaven. The angels don't have that much power to create that much joy in heaven. The Father's joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy jumped in. Joy filled heaven over one over one hallelujah just one more time let's just thank the Lord for it this morning Lord we thank you for the one thank you that I was one at one time thank you that you rejoiced over me, you rejoiced over us you rejoiced, this is the mandate upon the church is to go and preach the gospel and to see lives changed That's the mandate that you've given us, and we rejoice in that step this morning. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Bobby said when we were back there, he said, I like this. I was like, what you talking about? He was like, the church, this church. He said, I've never been to something like one like this. I said, You're talking about all the singing? He was like, Yeah. I said, Yeah, we try to throw down at church on Sunday. I told Miss Carol, I said, next time you get the feeling like you need to dance, I said, bring all that up here so that everybody can get to dance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 8. That's where we're going to begin again this morning. Genesis chapter 8. I was riding and I was thinking all this stuff that was going on this morning. I was thinking, Lord, there's such an excitement. <clears throat> And uh, the Lord said, seed time and harvest. So <clears throat> you don't know the seeds that were planted in your life and in your lives and in our lives that that one person or that. One church, or that one individual, or that group of people, got to reap that harvest and see all the people that have sowed. I'm going to use you an example, so don't be embarrassed. But all those people that sowed into your life and planted those seeds along and along, see, they got the benefit and got to rejoice about, it, even though they don't, may not even know that it happened. But there's something that transpired. There was a tra- there was a divine exchange that took place. Actually, there was a divine exchange that took place Wednesday night. And then there was a divine declaration that was just made just minutes ago for all of heaven and all of earth and all of hell to see that we ain't playing and neither was Jesus and neither was God, that this thing is powerful. And this is what it's about. It's about changed lives. And so so we've been talking about the divine principle. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about sowing and reaping. And I want to go ahead and caution you <clears throat> that as I've been studying about this all, really all my life, as far back as I can remember, the last three years the Lord's really been teaching me about finances. And I asked him to, about, I asked him about three years ago, I laid down on the bed one night and I said, Lord, I want to know, I want you to teach me, I want to, I want to see your truth about sowing and reaping. I want to see your truth about tithing. I want to see your truth about biblical finances. And the Lord began to teach me. And in the last, really the last three months, He's even ramped it up. There's a certain, every, He said there's a specific day, which is Fridays. He said, I want you to study about finances. And ever since then, I've taken some time on Friday to study. And every Friday, He downloads some new part or bit or piece to the whole part. And so I want to share with you this morning. I got a lot to say. I've got a lot that I want to get out. And so I want you, I need you to believe God with me for utterance. Amen. Paul said that. Paul said that, that I may have utterance to speak boldly and to declare the things. that we, I want you to take your religious mindset, because all of us have a certain amount of religious mindset. And I want us to set it to the side. And I want us to go to this together And let's walk through some things together. You ready? Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. It shall not cease. There are seasons. We talked about last Sunday about kairos moment. Now go to Galatians chapter 6. Kairos moments. Guys, there's so much to the principles of God that are contrary to the world. If we're not careful, we'll just treat things and we'll just copy things rather than obeying and doing something out of revelation. I'm after the revelation this morning. Listen to me. I'm after the revelation because the revelation, the faith, when we step out in faith, that's when we receive the benefit. That's when we access everything in the kingdom of God. It's not through law. Well, you know, if you believe in your, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's right. There's a believing in your heart that is contrary to the law. The law was about rules and regulations, but the spirit of grace, the message of grace, is about in your heart. It's about will you do it, will you obey because you want to, not because you got to. Come on. Hallelujah. Well, you know, in order to be born again you got to confess your sins. That's not what the Bible says. See? Let's just go ahead and chip away at all that religiousness. Let's just blow it up. Throw it out there in the middle and just set it on fire. It never says confess your sins. He says confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. What he says is repent. And there's an aspect of going back and saying, Lord, forgive me for what I've forgive me for my mind, forgive me for my act. But he says, he says, Sirs, what must I do? And he said to, to the Paul, to Paul in jail, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth. Yeah. Romans chapter. Uh, Romans chapter. Hold your place there at Galatians and let's go to Romans. <laughs> Romans chapter. 10 Verse 9. <clears throat> that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You ready? Tell me where he said you got to confess your sins. No, because listen, the sins were dealt with. The issue is not your sin. All the sinners in the room, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let me give you the best message you've ever had in your life. You ready? Your sin is not keeping you from God. (laughs) Amen. That's good news. And it don't matter what you wear. You know, we've used that illustration. If we got a cow pasture, it don't really matter what you're wearing when you're standing in the middle of that pasture. Everybody's going to smell like pasture. You're going to smell like crap. It don't matter what you drive. You drive it out on that cow, uh, cow pasture and it's going to get dirty. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See what you did this morning. Remember, we were talking when we were walking. I said, "Man, this is exciting." I said, "Actually, what happened to you Wednesday night was exciting." I said, "But this is like you put the nail in the coffin," and I wondered why that came out of me. Nail in the coffin. And then he and then we said the. He said, "I was going to say that the icing on the cake." So the nail in the coffin, the icing on the cake, because the old man is dead. Mm. And what you did and what we saw was a witness. And a confession that solidified what he did Wednesday night in front of everybody. So if you ever doubt it, we were all witnesses. We saw it as true. When you and I confess, when we declare based on what we believe, we put the nail in the coffin for whatever it is we put in the coffin to die. And so there's a revelation that needs to take place. For the scripture says... Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord all over all is rich to all who call upon him. There you go. Segregation goes out the window with that verse. And that was over 2,000 years ago. Jesus diminished that. Black, white, Asian, Greek, Jewish, Hispanic, Latino, Indian it doesn't matter for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved shall be saved there is no division the division is man's division is man's thing division was man's concept because God's trying to get us back there is something that God is doing in the in at this time Kairos moment in time where he is putting his people in the place where they will have the greatest impact for the kingdom of God that the world has ever seen. And what that means for you and I is that we've got to understand that how we access things in the kingdom, we access by faith, not by sight. Now, this is important because what I'm talking about this morning and what I hope to kind of dive into is going to need you to put on your meat. This is not milk. This is meat. And listen, if you don't understand it and you don't like it, that's okay. It's all right. But this morning, I want you to understand there is a principle in the word of God, there is a principle to the kingdom of God. And that principle is sowing and reaping. God demonstrated that principle like no one else has ever demonstrated it. In that he said in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he sowed. So that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but he shall reap. All those in everlasting life. That's why there's joy in heaven because the seed that he sown, he reaped today. Yes. Sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, I absolutely despise man, man's religion. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Nope. Verse 6, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. We always use that in a negative stance, don't we? Mm, You better watch out. You better watch out, brother. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he's reaping. To which I say, Amen. Listen to me. Listen to this. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. That's good news. Law comes in and wants us to interpret Scripture based on Old Testament revelation, and that's not what Jesus intended. Listen to me. That's not what Jesus intended. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. He's trying to get us to understand. He's giving us the divine revelation of the divine exchange. There's a principle to the kingdom of God, and it is sowing and reaping. It is investing and return on your investment. There is a divine principle, and it's called the divine exchange. And it is when we give. Listen, you can't. You can't inhale until you exhale. A baby is born, and what does a baby do? (gasps) They inhale, right? At birth. Because there's, guess what? Nothing in them. So the principle of the divine exchange is at birth when God breathes life into that child. And that child steps into this atmosphere out of its mother's womb and takes a breath. It receives that which God has given freely without that child having to do anything. 1 Corinthians. Okay, hold your place at Galatians chapter 6. We'll come back. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You ever wonder why Jesus spoke in parables? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I mean, why can't you just come and just say it? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now may he, listen to me, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. There's... The most important thing that you and I can probably understand in this principle is that we are not owners, we're stewards. Actually, we are owners in one sense because we are joint heirs with Christ. So we, But that ownership is a stewardship mentality because if you own something, you're going to steward it. That's why people who go, uh, who, uh, that, how can I say this? There's something that happens when you when a transaction takes place that you got skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? There's 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 something because there's ownership. Now it's a stewardship thing. You own a part of this. You're a part of this church because you gave your blood, your sweat, your tears, your tithe, whatever it is. You give of your time, your service, so you have an ownership, which is a good thing. But it's a stewardship it creates a mentality in us where we're not just consumers now, we're producers for the kingdom of God. There's a stewardship mentality that he's trying to get over to us. And what he said, it says, now may he, he capital H, who supplies seed to the sower. I think the first thing is understanding that part of the problem is we think that everything that we have is ours rather than understanding that everything that we have we've been given by God to steward while we're on this earth. The children that we have, my children, I love my children, I love my girls but in one sense they are my girls but they're my girls because God has given me my children so that I may steward them in the ways of the Lord. So that I may have a good inheritance, because a man's quiver, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. People keep trying to get me to fill my quiver up more. And April goes, "Well, y'all want to bring a baby and drop him off? That's fine with us." That mentality should be in the church. We should be excited about our quiver being full. Not for the sake of saying, look at how many children I got. I don't know anybody who's got that many children walking around going, look how many kids I got. No, they just love children. We met somebody, uh, we went riding around yesterday afternoon looking at some landscaping and just just, drive, just riding the day. many of you like to ride the dirt roads? You know what I'm talking about? Those of you that are in the south? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? See, up down here in the south, we put cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can get some, you know what I'm saying? We like to ride the dirt roads. What's that? I'll show you one day. We like to ride the dirt roads. So we were riding and we were looking and we passed by this house and she goes, that's where such and such live. They got 12 kids. I thought, well, They must either A, love kids or love each other a lot. (laughs) Or both. But the quiver, there's something about God that's in the multiplication process. But the multiplication process takes place in the divine exchange, the divine principle of sowing and reaping. He gives us seed, listen to me, to the sower. Now, I'm going to do what I like to do sometimes and just take a hand grenade and throw it out there in the middle of the room and let it explode and then y'all deal with it when you go home, okay? God's not interested in your money. He's really not. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5, I think it's verse 5, says that where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is also. See, he's after your heart. God don't need money. What he needs is able vessels with willing hearts that he can funnel his resources through for the kingdom of God, for the expansion of the kingdom of God here on this earth. Now that is meat, not milk. He's looking for those who will be willing vessels so that he can channel his resources so that we may give to all who have need, so that we may establish his covenant upon here on the earth. I wanted to read this. You know, sometimes when you start talking about this, people get itchy. Let me go ahead and read the definition of prosperity that one person wrote that I like. It's the ability to use the power of God to meet the needs of mankind in every realm of life. Hmm. The ability to use the power of God to meet the needs of mankind in every realm of life. We are blessed to be a blessing. I said, we are blessed to be a blessing. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, since we're there, back up just a little bit to verse 6. But this I say, now listen to me, hear me out before I go any further on this. Just stay with me. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Ready? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. See, I've said before, if you don't want to give, don't give. I will say it right now. As the senior leader, as the pastor of this church, and as the elders have agreed, if you don't want to give, if you don't purpose in your heart, then what we say is don't give. Because God's not after your giving. He's after your heart. He is. Or the church is just after my money. No, we ain't. I'm not after your money. I'm after your heart. I want your heart. But God knows and there's a principle that where a man's treasure is there, his heart is also. But if you are forced to put your treasure into something where your heart's not, your heart will never be there. you got to want to give it. No woman in this world wants a man to feel like he's got to love her. And all the women said, Amen. no woman wants a man to have to spend time with him. No woman wants a man that just, all oh, right. I guess I'll give you some money so you can go shop. No, no woman wants that. There's not a man on this earth who has to feel like he's got to convince a woman to be with him. I mean, if I got to talk you into it, <laughs> Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Neither does God. Amen. He's after your heart. That's why he says if you confess your mouth and believe on the Lord Jesus in your heart, there's a principle there. Well, all the church is after is your money. No. That's wrong. He's after your heart. See, we haven't talked about finances. We haven't talked about money as much here in the past because, I've, because in my spirit, it was like the Lord was saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. But last year, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to begin. He said, uh, "He said my people have been robbed of revelation." I don't have it in this one. But in my other journal, he said, My people have been robbed of revelation. I want you to begin to teach at least once a year on finances, and then we'll go from there. Because there's so much contrary information. Listen to me. He, he's not he, the enemy comes in and he begins to say, ooh, they you know they after your money. That's not even what God's after. That's why I like to just throw those blanket statements out there and go ahead and let that out because I'm not after your money. We're not after your money. We're after your heart. I want your heart. I want your life. I don't even want your gift. I'm not after your gift. I'm after the person that's got the gift. God's after you. He wants all of you. He don't want some of you. He wants all of you. He'll take whatever he can get though because he loves you. Luke chapter 15. Turn to Luke chapter 15. You're believing with me now, right? Some people say, well, I don't like what he's saying. Well, you believing with me, so you've got a part to play in that too. Luke chapter 15. I'm asking the Lord to help me even preach this and teach this from a standpoint of grace. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. God will bless you even if you don't tithe. God will bless you even if you don't give. Why? Because He's in the blessing business. For God so loved the world that He gave after you gave your life to Him. No, He gave, He's a giver. He is the ultimate giver. He gives whether you give something, acknowledge it or whatever. He demonstrated His love to us to such a degree where He gave His precious, most precious treasure. And what did we do? We hung Him on a cross and spit on Him. And He turned what was the most despicable way to die in the, in, the, in the Bible. He turned that to our benefit and redeemed us. And made it a demonstration even further of how much he loves us. Come on. I read something the other day that was really good, and I'm going to say it to you because I felt like you need to hear it too because I needed to hear it. He says that when you fall short, God redeems you. He doesn't trade you in for another person. <laughs> That's good, ain't it? Good word, I was like, I needed to hear that. When you And listen, when I say you fall short, I don't mean you're in willful, disobedient sin. I mean you just may not know. There's ignorance. You don't know it's like you've heard sometimes I've heard preachers say well if you don't give God can't bless you that's law there is a divine principle that when you give when you sow there's a part of that where you will reap and you will reap a harvest and you will be more blessed but if God was gonna bless you based off of what you did we all in a mess I've seen people quit tithing, quit giving, and God blesses them. Because it's not about your money. It's about your heart. Really, giving and tithing is about honor. It's about honoring one another. It's about honoring the Lord. Luke chapter 15 think this is where I'm supposed to camp out for a minute Luke chapter 15 then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near I just read this while ago to him and the Pharisees and scribes complained saying this man receives sinners and eats with them do they say that about us Listen, Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. When's the last time you had a sinner over your house to break bread? I'm talking about shown enough Sinner. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about a Christian who acts like a sinner sometimes. But they know that. I'm talking about somebody who don't know. I got some of them around where I live. Working on them. I took my neighbor some tea the other day, some sweet tea. He said, I don't drink sweet tea. I was like, you know what? I've slaved over this tea and brought you some tea. Talking like, about you don't drink this tea. But I took him some tea because I was trying to be nice and he was like, I can't drink tea. And I was like, he was like, I drink sweet tea in the morning, but that's it. And I thought, oh, golly. And I said, all right, well next time I'm gonna bring you some water. With some ice in it. But he's after, it, Jesus was always after the sinners. He was always going after the ones that nobody, he was always defying those odds. And so he says, so they said, they got mad at him because, the, because religion always gets mad when you step out of the box where they can control everything. Religion says you've got to give. Religion says you've got to tithe. But Jesus says, give and tithe if you want to. I'm going to love you no matter what. He spoke this parable. Listen, he spoke in parables. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. But I want to read the parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that was, that he until he finds it? Okay? So he talked about three parables in Luke chapter 15. The next parable was the lost coin. So a woman has ten coins. So we had a hundred sheep. Now we have ten coins, right? She loses and tears the house, turns the light up to find that one coin. And then the last one is the lost sheep, the lost son. So you went from 100 to 10 to 2. Now, I've never seen this before, but I've started studying this out. And so I'm going I'm to give you a glimpse of what I've been seeing because I want to study it out some more before I get way too deep in it. But I believe this is a revelation of the growth of the body of Christ, the growth of the church. When Martin Luther... And Charles Spurgeon and all that. When the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, began to take place, they began to preach uh, uh, the uh, 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 sinners in the hands of an angry God. They understood sheep. They understood the sheepfold. They understood the shepherd. The hundred and the one goes after, and it was all about salvation, 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 salvation. But then you progress on, and now you see this woman. And she begins to, so she has ten coins and she loses one and she begins to go find that one. She begins to go find the tenth. Remember I told you this was going to be me. She begins to go find the tithe because the tithe is important. Not because it's law, but because it's about Because there's a divine principle that he's trying to get us to see. This thing is about sowing and reaping. It's about sowing and reaping. The kingdom of God is so Okay, so hold your finger there and go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. You know, what's interesting is it's a progression. One day we're supposed to go from a sheep to a servant, and then what does he say? He said, I speak. This is what he said about Abraham. He said, I speak to you in in dreams and visions, but I speak to this man face to face. We sing that song, I am a friend of God. He said, I don't want to call you servants no more, but I call you friends. That was the last parable. Matthew chapter 13. This is one of my favorite. And this is one of the basic principles of the kingdom of God. Verse 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. I'm not going to read it all. So he says, therefore hear the parable of the sower. And he begins to talk about a man who sows seed into four types of ground. Then he talks about another parable. Then he talks about another parable. Right? And he says, and he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. He begins to speak in parables. And the disciples said to him, They said, Lord, why do you speak in parables? And in verse 14, he says this. Hearing you will hear and shall understand, and seeing you will see and you will perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have been closed, They have that, that lest they should see with their eyes and, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand and their hearts in turn, so I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. But Lord, why'd you got to talk in parables? Listen, this is a principle. Why has he got to talk in parables? Why can't he just show up and say, look, I'm the Son of God. I came to save you. That's what I'm here to do. But he didn't do that. It's like he did it undercover. Undercover. Instead of being born at the classiest, most wealthiest place on the face of the planet, he was born in a stable. Instead of being brought forth into the kingdom of this earth through a royal priesthood, he was brought through by a virgin who was supposed to be married and wasn't married yet. So here Mary and Joseph walking around and she's pregnant and they're not married yet. What kind of talk do you think they said about her? Joseph was embarrassed, and the Lord had to get a hold of him. Why did he talk in parables? Because it says, because Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine. Now listen to me. This is where you got to rightly divide. I want you to hear me on this. Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample on them. If you're not careful, if you and I are not careful, we'll interpret everything by the law. Well, I can't share this with you because you ain't ready. That's not what Jesus said. He said I. Jesus even said there are things that I that I cannot say to you because you're not ready. We almost be like, well, what you talking about? I'm not ready. We get defensive when somebody says that. But Jesus wasn't saying it. He says I cannot cast your pearls before someone. When Jesus was raised from the dead, why didn't he just walk around with light shooting out everywhere and say, Look here, it's me. Why didn't he do that? Because everything in the kingdom of God has to be accessed by faith. And he said, Blessed you believe because you put your finger in my side, Thomas. But blessed are those who have not seen but believe. There's a principle we operate in that principle. We just don't know it. We sow seed every day, and we expect a harvest. I was asking the Lord about that. Said, "Prove it to me." He said, "Don't you go to work? How many of you get paid before you go to work?" No, is you don't. In the con, let me just say that I just got done building a house. Okay, you don't pay a man before he gets his work done. You can pay him a draw, but I've had professional contractors tell me you don't. We don't pay. I had a guy who did all my AC work, and he said to me, "He said it's amazing. He said we don't. He said I had. To, they put a swimming pool in his house, and he said the guy wanted sixty percent up front. He said I ain't giving you sixty percent up front. So he gave him fifty, and he said they came out, they dug a hole, and they ran the water line, and that was it." So twenty thousand dollars for somebody to come dig a hole and run a water line. He said he had to get on him and stay on him. See, you don't. You and I do that every day. We sow seed. We sow our time, and we reap a paycheck. A farmer, the farm, the produce that we buy that we eat. Guess what? Works off of the principle of sowing and reaping. We sow a seed. We reap a harvest. And there's a principle there. So if you aren't careful, when we read these things and Jesus said, you're not ready to hear it, we get defensive. Why are we not ready to hear it? Would be my question. If Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but I can't tell them to you right now, son, because you're not ready. My first question would be like, well, how do I get ready? The man came to him and said, Lord, if you, if you can, if you can, if you can heal my son. And Jesus said, if I can heal. He said, if you can believe. See, we get this defensive posture. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. This ain't got nothing to do with me. This has got to do with you. If you can believe, all things are possible. And the man had the right answer. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm trying to get out of my vocabulary, I don't know. You know, we talked about that. Because he said, I've been given the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth lives in me, and I know all things. Well, you don't know what you need to know. I know, but I know the one who knows that lives in me that knows. I just got to get it out. So I'm trying to get out of my vocabulary, what we're going to do. Instead of saying, I don't know, I've started saying, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. What we're going to do? The Lord knows. And we're going to press in and hear what he's got to say. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that the parable, he spoke in parables because God doesn't put his pearls before swine. And so this morning when we're talking about the divine exchange, I want you to understand there is a principle that you and I have to operate in, but we can't copy it. we got to operate in it by faith. Because faith is what accesses the blessing. So when you go to Malachi 3.10, and he says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. And people say, oh, that's old covenant. No, it wasn't. It was 350 years later when the covenant came into place on the Mount Sinai when he gave the law. This was before the law. And it's interesting because in Genesis chapter 28, I think it was, Abraham was the one that gave the tithes to Melchizedek. Which nobody to this day can trace Melchizedek's heritage. And it says that Jesus was the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. It's like Jesus reincarnated himself back then, came and demonstrated, and then waited till he came in the natural. But Abraham, it says that Abraham, it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness. This was before the blood of Jesus. Abraham was righteous, he was the only one in the Old Testament that was called righteous. Because of his faith. So picture this. Jesus has not yet shed his blood, but yet Abraham is accessing the benefits that we walk in because he had enough faith to believe what God was going to do, just like we have enough faith to believe in what God did. Are Are you following me? So the tithe was before the law. If we're not careful, you will tithe. What, you ready? You will tithe, but you will not be a tither. You know, you can believe and not be a believer. The divine exchange is about the principle of sowing and reaping, but it is sowing and reaping by faith, it is believing. It is accepting what you believe in the Word of God to be truth. And now we activate and we act. I don't give, I don't tithe to, to, to my covering cam. I don't tithe to my covering because I got to. I tithe because I want to and because I get to. Because I understand there's a principle in Malachi 3.10 that if I will access that principle, He will rebuke the devourer for my sake. You know, we've had wash machines and dryers that la- I got we got a washing machine and dryer that is still going. And we that was fifteen years old when we got married. This wash machine and dryer is 30 years old. And we saw it where we used to live when we got married. The wash machine and dryer is still there. Because it's a green, this is how old it is. It's a green dryer. (laughs) Avocado. Avocado. It's an avocado dryer. And it's still drying. Why? Because he said he would rebuke the devourer for my sake. Because he'll make your vehicles last longer. He'll make your your house last longer. He'll make your natural thing. Why? Because you're doing it not because you can copy somebody and not receive the benefits. Because it's got to be accessed by faith. That's why I say to you, if you don't believe in tithing, then don't do it. Because you're not going to access it by faith. You won't get the benefits of it. I've had people stand to me and say, well, I just don't know what to do. I'm thinking maybe I should go to church. I'm thinking maybe I should turn. And I've said to them, you're not ready. You're not ready. And they go, what do you mean I'm not ready? You're not ready. You don't want to do this because you want to do it. You want to do it because you think it's what I want you to do. Or what you're supposed to do. Because you're still living your life by the law. God loves you. Listen to me, church. He loves you. He cares about you. And you not tithing or not giving or giving and tithing or you cussing or not cussing or you swearing and not swearing or you stealing or not stealing or you doing whatever. God knows what we do in this earth. the the, It doesn't matter because nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loves us. This isn't about us doing what's. And I've had to die to some of that because we grow up and say, well, if you don't give, you won't receive. There that is a principle, but the heart behind it was wrong. Jesus never, the only time Jesus got ill with people was with religious people. And the only time Jesus rebukes me strongly is when I'm trying to be religious. Five minutes, and then I'm gonna land this plane, okay? the parable that Jesus was talking about and he said you you have been it has been given to you to know how has it been given to the disciples to know how because he says in Matthew chapter 6 he had been preaching it the whole time verse 33 seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you Verse, chapter 7, he goes on down and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open." See, God's not the, not the kind of God that is withholding. He's trying to get it to us, not from us. But we've got to dig it out. We've got to want it. Why? Because he's not going to cast his pearls before swine. Why? Why wouldn't the Lord just come and say it? Why wouldn't he just say, listen, I know you're under grace, but you still need to tithe. Why wouldn't he say that in the New Testament? Why wouldn't he say, listen, I'm here. Don't worry about that Old Testament stuff. I'm here. Why would he do that? There were people that came to him that when they saw him and they recognized who he was, they said, we believe. And he said, okay, but don't go tell nobody. Why? Because they weren't ready. Because, if they, because they were still operating under an Old Testament principle of law. And any time you do something out, out of law, it brings death. If you live your life and you try to be righteous because you're afraid of the judgment of God, it would bring death because there's no... You ever wonder how when you get grace in your life, you feel free? You feel free right now, don't you? Why? Because you didn't do nothing, you just said, yeah, I'm here, let's go, let's take a ride, let's go, I'm going, let's go, wherever you want to go, Lord, and you're free, and what the enemy is going to try to do, is he's going to try to fasten law back on you. Well, you know, you didn't go to church for two Sundays, so you probably ain't saved no more. Because he's, after, he's trying to kill us through the law. And Jesus said, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. His, his desire is for us to be. The whole reason he came was so we could have life and we could experience life. You can't experience life by trying to copy somebody and what they're doing. you got to experience life by doing what's in you by what God has said for you to do and you experience that relationship with Him and then life begins to come. Somebody said to me, they said, uh, said I can't afford to tithe. And I said you can't afford not to tithe. But here's what I was saying instead of that. Tithing's not the issue. 're still looking to everything else but to the one who is our source and our supply to give seed to the sower so that we may have to give it, it, that's not the issue you're somebody who says that statement they say it out of law that's just like saying well I can't afford to love you right now I don't feel like loving you no more woman wants to be with somebody who don't no man wants to be with that you understand what I'm saying? No, He loves us with an everlasting love. And He demonstrated His love regardless of what... There are people in hell that, that never believed that He loves. That He loved and that He loves. we got to access this thing through faith. And so when you get a revelation... Where's that box at? The, the, the uh, Michael. Will you grab the tithe box for me? When you... When you see this box, I'm going to ask you what happens inside of you. Because that would determine what's functioning in your life. If you see it and you say, I got to. That's fear. That's the enemy. That's the fuel of the enemy. Because he wants you to be afraid of it. Because as long as you're afraid of it, as long as you're operating under the law, you'll never reap the benefits of what happens when you give by faith. What happens when you see this box? Listen, I'm, I mean, I'm stepping way out there. You understand what I'm saying? I'm probably making the elders nervous. <laughs> Listen to me. What happens when you see this box? We're going to take up an offering. What happens? Inside of you, what happens? Ask yourself that question. I try, I, I'm, I'm trying to outgive. I got this thing now where it's like the enemy goes, well, you know, when you pray in tongues, you ain't accomplishing nothing. I go, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray in tongues for an hour. Well, you know, if you go to church, you go into Tuesday morning prayer, it ain't going to accomplish nothing because nobody's showing up. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it for another three months just to shut you up. And if you don't shut up, I'm going to do it for a whole year why because I'm because I'm trying to get out of this fear that I don't do it I'm not doing these things we're not doing these things because we're trying to law we're doing it because we want to we get to yeah. you remember when you were growing up your mom and daddy I tell I've told we told our girls this we, we teach Bren Bren and now Laney and Hannah, of course they understand it but they get a little distracted from time to time so you gotta you know Mom and Daddy, we're, getting out. we're inside this big parking lot. We're getting ready to go eat. All right, everybody stand right here. and Don't go out there. Just stand right here. But if you do go around, make sure you look both ways. Why? Because you don't want to step out there and get hit by a car. Right? So the Old Testament was you give or you get hit by a car. So you had to obey. The blessing in the Old Testament came out of obedience. It was out of law. God said, you do, then he will. But grace is God did, so we get to. Yes. Hallelujah. So when you got older, you don't have that fear anymore. But let me ask you this question, okay? Does it benefit you to still look both ways before you cross the road? Does it benefit you to tithe under grace? Does it benefit you to give under grace? But not if you still have The fear of law when you see this. You can't have the fear. That's why he said in 2 Corinthians, that's why he said, Let no one, let him give as, listen to me, as he purposes. I've asked the Lord before, all right, Lord, how much you want me to give? And I've had the Holy Spirit say, How much do you want to give? It's like you said, All right, Lord. if you can, and the Lord said, mm, not me, what about you? If you can believe, and I said, okay, well, we'll give $100. Or we'll give $150. Or we'll give $500. Or we'll give $1,000. It's not about giving. This isn't even about that. What it's about is about stepping outside of your comfort zone and engaging and activating the divine principle by faith, not by works. Well, we can't... Get this out of your vocabulary, too. We can't afford it. I don't have time to go into that one. Let me leave you with this. Because Lord knows where we'll pick up next week. I have no idea. But let me say this. the, The divine principle... Anything in the kingdom of God? Go back to the basic foundation. How did you get born again? You believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth. How are you going to get healed? You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. My wife is at home. She was sick last night. Couldn't figure out what it was. You know, just nauseous, just sick, sick, sick. And I went and got a pretzel and some orange juice, and I said, "Sit up. We're going to take communion." Because if you and I don't rightly discern because the Bible says that for this reason the second Corinthians says for this reason many of you are weak and sick and have died. It's a progression. So I said bless God we're going to take communion. And we're going to take communion again. And we're going to keep believing. We're going to keep pressing in because that's how we're going to access the things of God is by faith. And so what I want to challenge you with is this. I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with don't Do something because you got to. That's not the grace and the message that the Lord Jesus gave to us. It's that you don't, if you don't understand it, then ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and He will teach you. But this is about getting something. This is about sowing something. This is about accessing your heart and accessing His heart through faith, by faith, so that you may have to give. And when the enemy comes and tells you, you can't afford it, my question to you is this. Who told you that? Who said you couldn't afford it? I know a lot of people who are broke. And I know some people who are poor. But most of the people that I know can do things in their life if they want to. If they want to rearrange things their priorities. And see God's after God's after a heart. See what transpired this morning. See the church, listen to me. Let me say this to you. Especially for the most part, God's intent is the church is the only place that cares about you hol- holistically. Spirit, soul and body. Government agencies, they don't care about your spirit really don't care about your soul. They just care about your body. Church is the only place that God has, the church, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the people. Church is the only place that cares about you no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you say, we're going to love you. Now you tell me that that won't preach out there. (coughs) You tell me that if we take that message out there and preach it in here, And then when they come in here, we preach it, we demonstrate it, we show our love. You tell me that they won't want to come to be a part of the church. Not the building, the church. Because they will know us by our love. Stand to your feet. See, the whole point, the whole purpose of some of these things about sowing and reaping, the the reason why people don't like it when you talk about money is because for some reason there's a connection that he said is between a man's treasure and his heart. A man's treasure and his heart. A man's treasure and his heart. Sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. A man's treasure and his heart. God's trying to get you to engage his heart. He's after your heart. He's after all of our hearts. God is positioning his people in the last days so that we will have the greatest impact on people in the last days. But it starts with sowing and reaping the divine principle sowing and reaping. And so, what I want to say to you this morning is don't lose heart for the people that you've spoken to their life. Don't lose heart for the dinners and the money or the investment that you've made in people and it seems like there's been no return. Don't lose heart for the many, many seeds and the words and the time and the blood and the sweat and the tears that have gone into people's lives that you've sowed. Don't lose heart. Because if there's one thing that I know and if there's one thing that the Bible teaches us, the prodigal son always comes home. Sin never fulfills in the life of people what they think it's going to fulfill, and they always tend to come home. Or at least that's what we're going to believe. I want you to walk away this morning, and I want you to understand that God loves you, He's after you, your heart. He's not after your money. He don't need money. But He's after your heart. But He's after you and I engaging into the divine principles that He has set in place. Now when you catch the revelation of that, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that your flesh is not going to scream at you and saying, what are you doing? How can we do this? But when you catch the revelation of it, and you see it from God's word, then you will understand, and you will say, I can't, it's not that I can't afford to, I can't afford not to. Because this is the divine principle that God has set in place. One of which is to bring resources into our lives to further the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that you helped those things which I articulated, Lord, that you will help bring them into clarity. What I couldn't necessarily get out and articulate, that you, by the Spirit of God, would bring that revelation into our hearts. So that you, so that our faith does not rest on man's wisdom, but it rests on the demonstration and the power of God that comes through those words, that comes through that revelation. That's where our heart is. That's where our faith will rest. Lord I pray that you would help us that we would want to see and as we want to see you will unveil to us the principles this great principle the divine revelation of sowing and reaping. That we access it. So Lord I pray for everyone that what we don't see you reveal it to us. What we don't know that we understand, that we now know. And what we can't fully comprehend, that the spirit of truth and understanding, the Holy Spirit, which you gave to teach us, you said that you have no need that man teach you, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches you of the first principles of the oracles of God, that you teach us these things in the last days, because the enemy is out to kill us and to steal And to destroy what it is that you have. But we have that life. And we carry that treasure in earthen vessel. And so Lord I thank you for that. I thank you that there's no devil big enough. No satanic force strong enough to stop when a man wants to get born again. When a man wants to get baptized. When a man or a woman wants to stand up and follow you. Nothing in hell can stop it. Because of God before us who could be against us. I thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He come dismiss You know, there were women preachers in the Bible. The one. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Lord showed me that the other day. I'm already starting to get a message ready. I'm like, what you going to call me to a women's conference or something? <laughs> but I'm telling you, there are women in the Bible, Esther being one of them, that shape nations. So why don't you pray over us, prophesy over us, and shape our week for us.
1: First of all, I really felt like the Lord said to remind all of us that first of all, we death and life is in the power of our tongue. That's what the Word says. Our human nature wants to speak death first, but when we're born again, then we begin to learn that when we, what God has provided for us, that we can begin to speak life into those dead things in our life. And so I really felt like that the Lord said, remember that as you go out through your week. Hear what you're saying. And if you happen to speak death, say No. No, I remember what that lady said, what God says. I'm not speaking death over my life anymore. I'm going to start speaking what the Father says over me, that he loves me, that I'm healthy, that he, Jesus gave his life so that I can be healthy and wealthy and wise in what I speak. And, Father, we just thank you today for this word of sowing and reaping. Help us, Father, to remember that you gave and there was a purpose. And there's a purpose in everything that you do and, and that what you cause us to do. Father, and I just ask you as we go throughout our week that you remind us who we are and what our purpose is on this earth is to bring more children to your home, to your kingdom. And, Father, I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters today as they go out and they sow and they reap for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.